Well, again, we are just so excited to celebrate Christmas Eve with you. And as we begin our time together, as we're continuing our teaching series, The Gift, I want us to think about this idea of white elephant gift exchanges. How many of you guys have ever participated in a white elephant gift exchange before? And there's a lot of different ways that you play it, but the gist of the game is there's usually a limit to what you can spend, or it has to be a goofy item that you've received or something that you don't necessarily like and that you re-gift and, and there's a way to, to go around and, and you can steal it and you can uh, take it or you can trade it. And there's all, all kinds of rules. And I won't get into the nitty gritty of the rules of white elephant gift giving. But as a, a youth pastor back in the day, I, I remember us playing those types of gifts. And so many great gifts come from that that make a lot of memories and a lot of laughter as well. So here's a question for you and I want you to actually participate with me Today, what was one of your favorite white elephant gifts you've given or received? And you just can answer out if you have an idea or a memory of a gift like that. Toilet paper. Well, that's always good. And man, during COVID, that was actually really a handy gift, right? <laughs> a toilet paper. What, what, what other gifts come to mind? A giant chocolate coin the size of your face. That is a good and yummy gift. I like that. I like that. Anybody else over here? An ugly green and pink golf vest. An ugly pink and green golf vest. Anything else come to mind? Anything else? All right. Electric fly swatter. Okay. All right. All right. That, that, I, I, I don't know, man. My, my uh, family, who is Pennsylvania Dutch, they, they really like to take care of those flies. So that actually would be a gift that they, my mother-in-law uh, and my wife would actually thoroughly enjoy. Uh, but as we think about that idea, there, there's something about gift and gift exchanging that's really significant to this day. Uh, and obviously, we can talk a lot about what's purchased and what we receive, and, and that's a part of it. But what I want us to think about is specifically that idea, that idea of exchanging, that idea of giving and receiving. And then I want you to answer this question for me. Maybe you can help me with this too. What's one of your favorite gifts you've given or received? Anybody got any, any gifts like that that come to mind? And it doesn't have to be a white elephant gift at this point in time, but any, any gifts come to mind? A guitar. Oh, that's awesome. That's a great gift. How about, what's that? Oh, nice. $200 that you could just give away, didn't have an account for it, you could just use it. How about some of the kids? What are some of your favorite gifts that you've received? What do you think? Legos. Legos, yes. Yes, I love some Legos. Anybody else over here? Any other kids want to participate? Hot Wheels. Hot Wheels. All right, all right. Anybody? All right, well, you think about it. You think about it. And, even, and as you think about that idea, these are gifts that usually for us, beyond just the, the value of it, that's one part of it, what it meant to us as we gave it to the person or what it meant for us as we received it, right? I, I think about gifts that I've, I've received or I've given, and there's this idea that you want to be intentional and thoughtful with what it is that is being given, and then you see others do that as well. And as we, we think about that idea, 
And we're in this series, The Gift, the first gift exchange that ever actually took place as far as in Christmas time, as we're celebrating here over 2,000 years later, the coming of Jesus, were these gifts that were given. And, and do you guys remember, if you've been following along with us, what three gifts that Jesus received? Do you guys remember? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Great job. You guys are doing great this morning. And as we th- talked about those, those first two, we said that gold is a, a gift fit for a king. And that Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's a king like no other. Uh, and then we talked about frankincense and how it's a, a gift for a priest, a sweet perfume used in temple sacrifice. And then this gift that we're going to look at today is, is myrrh. And myrrh is a gift for someone who is going to die. And at first glance, you may be like, that is a very morbid gift to give somebody. But in that time, in Bible times, it also spoke of anointing, it spoke of of perfume, but also it was used when someone was being buried. In fact, we see this come up in John 19, when they they brought aloes and, and myrrh, and they put them in the linens as they wrapped Jesus and put his body in the tomb, right? So myrrh shows up in his life and his time here on earth, but it signifies what it is that he came to do, who he is and what he came to do. All these gifts signify that. And so as we think about that, I want us to just revisit what we talked about in Matthew's gospel, because as we're in Christmas Eve, I think it's fitting for us to go back to the the Christmas story and how the wise men who came from the East, these men who were Gentiles, they were very wealthy, a lot of influence and affluence, but they had been searching to find Jesus for, for two years. And these were men, again, who were desiring to see King Jesus, the King of the Jews, they call him. They knew who he was, and they wanted to find him. And so they searched. And maybe you're here today, and you're searching. Maybe you're seeking And I want you to know there's good news on this Christmas day. The thing that we come around, the event, is actually a historical event that we come to celebrate. The one who came for us in our searching, in our seeking, in us trying to make sense of life. And I I remember very vividly, even for me, as a young boy, crying out in my own anguish and angst and trying to make sense of my own life. And I'm always reminded that when we cry out, and we search with all of our hearts. God makes himself clear and true to us. He shows himself faithful and strong. And so we see this even happen in the Magi's life. Matthew 2, it says this. Let's read this actually out loud together. All all these these couple verses here, Matthew 2, 10 through 11, on the count of three, one, two, three. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so again, we see these men, their response to seeing Jesus was to bow down. They were overjoyed. They worshiped Jesus. And so this brings us to the first part of of today, and it's simply this, that the wise men made the greatest gift exchange with Jesus. And it wasn't just that they gave gifts, but it's what they signified about Jesus and what it signified about their posture of their own heart, a posture of surrender, a posture that says, I see you for who you are. 
and I don't want to miss you or misplace you. And I think during this time of year, it's a great time for us to remember, but I think we're often prone to get past Christmas and put the nativity set away. And if you have like a baby doll, like a baby Jesus, like we have out here in the lobby area, put it somewhere and hopefully you can find it in a year's time, right? When you need it again. But I think that's actually a picture sometimes to what it is we do with Jesus. We bring him out at different times of the year, but we don't make him the central part of our lives. And he, he so desires for us to experience what it is that he only can provide for us. So again, the wise men made the great gift exchange with Jesus. And, and this brings us to the next part of it, is that Jesus has a gift he wants to give to you. So they made the exchange. They made the exchange of, of receiving who this Jesus is as they gave these gifts in, in their lives. And what, again, that signifies is this attitude and posture of surrender and, and worship, recognizing Jesus for who he is. But Jesus has a gift that he wants to give to you as well. And I, I don't want us to miss it. I don't want us to miss Jesus this Christmas season, and especially as we head in to the new year. I'm, I'm reminded that oftentimes, you know, there's stories that we know, but we're not very familiar with maybe how it all unfolds. Like there's these parts of it that we know, but there's not this clear sense of understanding the whole of a story. Like recently I was talking to my mother-in-law and she told me that she couldn't stand the Grinch. She's like, I cannot stand the Grinch. I cannot stand it. I cannot stand that story. And then I started to unpack it. Like, what is it about the Grinch you don't like? He just, he looks hideous. He's mean, all these things. I'm like, do you know the backstory of the Grinch? Why he was like that? Do you remember the backstory? She's like, no, I don't remember the backstory. And do you remember that his heart actually grows and changes and he gets into, no, I don't remember that part of the story. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Like, there's parts of the story that you're actually missing about the Grinch. All you know is about this scary looking green <laughs> person or, or, or thing and coming and, and his his desire not to be about Christmas and to take Christmas away from others, but there's, there's more to the story. And you know, in our own lives, there's more to the story about Jesus than sometimes I think we fully recognize. And so today we're going to focus on, on myrrh. We're going to talk about what it is that Jesus came to do. Because he didn't just come to stay a baby. That's how it started as he walked the earth. But he came he came for you and he came for me. And I, I love how the prophet Isaiah, 700 years prior to Christ's coming, really describes what it is that Jesus came to do. And if you're following along, we have the, the verses on the screen or you can use the app. But we're going to be in Isaiah 53, starting in verse 3. It says this. It says, he was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in the low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. And as you read that, that sounds like what we celebrate during Good Friday and Easter, right? This sounds like the one who, who came and died. And specifically, sounds like and is Jesus. And, and the way that Isaiah talks about it is the, suf the suffering servant. And Jesus, this suffering 
servant, there was nothing about his appearance, it would say in verse 2, that you would be like, wow, he's so attractive. Man, I want to follow him just by the way he looked. And as was mentioned in the Advent reading, he didn't, didn't have a lot of material wealth and possessions, even though he was God in flesh. There was nothing about him that would say, hey, on just face value, as we look at people, he's someone I want to give my life to. But it was who he was and what he did for us that was the game changer. And so he was despised for us. He, he was rejected. We held him in a low esteem. And he took our pain. He took our pain. He bore, it says very clearly here, our suffering. And we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. And so I want you to know the one that we're looking at as we're talking about Jesus is he comes literally, he comes literally to die. He comes to die for you and for me. He doesn't just stay in the cradle, he goes to the cross. He's a man that's familiar with pain and suffering. And I just want to say to you, I know this season is full of so much joy and so much excitement, but I also know this season is really difficult for a lot of different reasons for people. And so maybe you're here today and you're like, man, I'm, I'm just sad or I'm overwhelmed and there's a lot of loss that you've experienced or there's relational dynamics that are really challenging for you. I want you to know that there's one who's called the man of sorrows, who's acquainted with your grief. He recognizes and has experienced what it is to suffer, not just on the cross, but to experience being misunderstood, being called things that are not true, being mistreated. He, he recognized and he's seen and experienced all those things. He's called the man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. He empathizes with us in the midst of what it is that we're facing. And this is good news for us. This is good news that Jesus does this for us. But it doesn't stop there. He goes on to say this. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And I just want to ask you, how many times have you used the word iniquity in a conversation? How many times are you like, you know, that iniquity, it really, man, it, man, hey, I need to get me some iniquity, right? You're like, I don't know what that means, right? You know, transgressions, how about transgressions? How many times have you been using transgressions, you know, in a conversation? It's not really common vernacular for us. But what Isaiah is, is doing is, is really helping us to understand as the Bible Project has put out this great, great uh, piece on this, these three words of sin, transgressions, and iniquities. And, and they all have some similarities, but they have some differences too. Sin is, is to miss out, the uh, miss out on the purpose and the design which we, we were created for, which is to receive the love of God and to love God with all that we are and to love our neighbor as ourselves. That's when you look at the Ten Commandments, Five of them are about really loving God and the other five are about loving people. But we miss that mark. We miss that mark. We, we fall short in that ability to love that way. The other word that's used here is transgression and transgression means to break trust. But it's not just that I broke trust with some random person that I met 
while driving on 22 or at the mall. It's breaking trust with somebody who's really close to me. Someone like my wife, someone like my brothers, someone like a family member or a good friend. I've broken trust. I have broken trust. And it's one thing, again, to do it to a stranger. It's another thing to do it to someone who's close to you. When that happens, when that happens, that causes friction and tension in the relationship. And then iniquity, that word iniquity, is this idea of distorting reality to walk in unreality, to call what is evil good, but we don't realize that we're distorting it. We, don't even, we can't even see it. We can't see how we're distorting things. And it's in this that Jesus says, no, I want to actually take upon me your sin, your sin, your transgressions, your iniquities, because you can't do it yourself, but I can. I'm fully God, fully man, and I've experienced everything, everything that you've experienced, but I've done it perfectly. And it's through me, it's through my body being crushed on the cross. It's through what it is that I have set out to do through my life and death, that then you can enter in to what it is that I've accomplished for you. And we know it doesn't end at the crucifixion, but I want to focus on that because of what Isaiah talks about. And you're like, well, that doesn't really seem to relate to me. Well, I just want to point out in verse 6, he says, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. So when it says that in the Hebrew, we all, it means we all. All of us. <laughs> it's all of us. This is our condition before God. This is our condition before one another. We thought we were the standard. We thought we knew better. And as a result, instead of walking and being fully human, we walk in an inhuman way. Instead of flourishing, we're not flourishing nor the people around us. It brings in death and destruction. But the good news of Jesus is he was crushed to provide peace. A peace with God and a peace with others. He's provided and made a way. This is the good news of Christmas. This is what this myrrh signifies because he was crushed for our sin, our transgressions, our iniquities. They were upon him so that we could be brought back to life. And I want you to hear this this morning because here's the thing I'm noticing. I think if you've grown up in the church or you know Christian speak or, or the Bible, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, we become so accustomed to it that it almost becomes like white noise. Versus like, wait a minute, is that capturing me? It, have I actually come to the place where I recognize who I am before a holy God and my need for what only he can do for me? Or am I, only, am I only Christian and speak, but not my life being changed and transformed by him? Because he wants to change us. This is not about earning something. This is about responding to the incredible goodness of God and what he's done for us. And maybe you're here today, and that's you. You're like, you know what? I'm hearing this, and I've heard it again and again, but I've yet to put my full trust in Jesus. Or maybe you're here today, and you're tempted. You know what? I grew up in the church but I'm kind of like done with this Jesus thing, this church thing. And I want you to know, he's not done with you though. He's not done with you. He's pursuing you. He loves you. He cares for you. It's by his wounds that we are healed. Think about the magnitude and the depth of this love. This is the gift that he gave to us and for us. And so this brings us to the next part. 
Jesus made a great gift exchange for us. He made a great gift exchange for us. Talk about giving everything. He literally gave up his home in heaven. He literally gave up his position of being with God the Father and God the Spirit as they had always been and will always be to come to the earth to experience for us and to pay for us the punishment that we deserve but we could not make right. He did that for you and he did that for me. What love, what love of the Father that he gave us his son, the great gift exchange of Jesus. It's beautiful. It's beautiful to behold the peace that we can have as a result of who Jesus is. But then it goes on to say this. This is the Apostle Paul, and this is Romans 6, 8 through 11. And I want us to, to hear not only about his, his life and death, but I want to hear how Paul talks about what it is that he would go on to accomplish. He says this. He says, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin, and once, and once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Oh man, this is so good. This is so good what Paul's saying. He's saying, listen, I want you to know Jesus died once and for all. Jesus died for our sin and to our sin, our sin, our iniquity, our transgressions. He took all that on himself and he's resurrected and he's ascended at the right hand of God. He's victorious. And this is the good news of Christmas as well, because if he only came as a baby and that's it, that wouldn't do much good beyond just giving us something to feel good about, some nostalgia on Christmas. And if he was only crushed on the cross as a man dying a criminal's death, that may be like, wow, what a, what a sacrifice. But he didn't stop there. He resurrected, he was resurrected from the dead. And through his death on the cross and through his resurrection, we are made alive to God in Christ Jesus, no longer slaves to our sin, our transgressions and iniquities. We've been set free. This is the good news of Jesus and what he's done for us and what he's accomplished for us. And so as we think about that, I want to give you this. Jesus made a great gift exchange for us. His life for death so that we can have life instead of death. This is the great gift exchange of Jesus. And I don't want you to miss that this Christmas Eve. I don't want you to miss the depth of his love for you. And if you are here searching and seeking and you're trying to make sense of life and understand your purpose and to find peace, you have to look no further than look to Jesus. If you're here and you've been a follower of Jesus for so long that this is really familiar and you're grateful for it, have you allowed this to capture her heart afresh and anew? Does it embolden you to follow Jesus to what he has for you? Does it embolden you to love and serve and share who this Jesus is with others? If you're here today and you're like, man, I have grown up in the church and 
I would say at one point I put my faith in Jesus, but now I'm not sure. I want you to know the exchange that he made for you isn't based on how perfectly you attain or go after something, but rather through what he perfectly and attained something for you. And it gives space for your doubting and your questions and the things of, of life that don't make sense to you. Because he's the one that makes sense of those things. Because he is the author of life. This is who this Jesus is. Again, Jesus made a great gift exchange for us. His life for death. So that we can have life instead of death. One of Jesus' disciples described it this way. And I want us actually to read this out loud together. John 3, 16 through 18, it says this. Let's read this out loud on three. One, two, three. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. And so when you, when you hear what John's saying, he's saying, for God so loved the world, what did he do? What did he do? He gave, right? He gave. He gave this great gift, his son. He gave him. He loved us so much. He didn't want to live without us, so he sent his son on a rescue mission. God in flesh to pursue a prodigal people. He loved us so much that we would have eternal life. And eternal life speaks of a life that happens the day that we put our faith in Jesus gives us this hope, this joy, this peace, meaning as Jesus would say in John 17, three, this is eternal life, that you know me, and know me means to have an intimate experiences and encounters with me on a regular daily basis, but also the hope of tomorrow when our life here on earth ends. There's this assurance that's found through what Jesus has come to do for us. But he didn't come to the world to condemn, but we stand condemned when we don't believe. The word believe is the idea of trust. When I don't put my trust in Jesus, when I don't trust him from the depths of, of my heart and from my mind and with my person, when I say, Jesus, I know better than you, I'm, or maybe for you it's, hey, I don't think I'm worthy of this, so I'll never ever come to him. I'll never receive this gift. We stand condemned not because he does the condemning, but because we made our choice not to open the gift of Christmas, Jesus. Do you follow me? Because this is what this passage says. But the good news is he's come for you and he's come for me. This is Christmas. This is what it's about. So how do we receive this gift? How do we do it? How do we do it? And the question for you to think about today is will you receive the great gift exchange of Jesus? Will you receive the great gift exchange of Jesus this Christmas? And, and there's a couple ways that I want to help you to, to think about how you can do that. There's a couple ways, and it's commonly called ABC. ABC. The first is this, to accept. Accept that you are in need of a Savior, and, and you can't save yourself. You need a Savior, and you can't save yourself. Have you come to that place in your life? Are you still looking at what you have, what you've done, that you're the standard? Is, is that what you're doing? Because the first part of this is just to accept this is a reality. Let's call the truth 
the truth. Accept. The next part is to believe. Believe. Put your trust in Jesus as the only one who can take your spiritual death and provide spiritual life. He's the only one. He's the only one that can do it. He's the only one. And historically, as we look at this moment in time and as we see what it is that Jesus has done for us, this moment in time, this event, it's proven historically accurate and true. And that the question is, what will you do with it? What will you do with him? Will you believe? Will you believe? And then the last part of this is to confess. In your heart and with your mouth that Jesus is your Savior. That you recognize, hey, I need a Savior. I, I recognize I need a Savior. I accept that. I believe that he's the only one that can deal with my spiritual death, which again signifies our sin, our transgressions, our iniquities. He's the only one. And then I confess. I confess in my heart and with my mouth that you, Jesus, are the Savior. You are the one. You are the one who is able to save me. And as he changes us, that will change how we see life. That will change how we relate to others as well. So if you've made a decision today, if you've made a decision, again, the, the question was about how do you receive the great gift exchange of Jesus? Again, it's accept, believe, confess. Accept, believe, confess. Say that with me on, on, on three. One, two, three. Accept, believe, confess. If you say, hey, today's the day I'm doing that, man, we want to know that. We want to celebrate that with you. Will you please text this number and text ABC to 610-595-9156. This is our Riverbend text number. What we want to do is we want to be able to follow up with you. We want to make sure we're able to walk with you through this decision and this deciding to follow Jesus. But the other part is maybe you're not there. Maybe you've said, hey, I've already received Christ, or, or maybe you are new to our church. We want to make sure that we're able to follow up with you beyond Christmas Eve. And I mentioned this before, but I want to make sure you don't miss it as well, which is to connect with us. And so you can text that same number with the, the word connect. But it's our hope and our desire for you to be connected. We want to help you take your next step with Jesus wherever you are, wherever you are in the journey. And then the other thing that I want to mention to you is we talk about in Jesus, he's the light of life. John's gospel says that. He's the light of life. The light has come. Jesus himself says, I am the light of the world. Whoever believes in me, whoever puts their trust in me, will not walk in darkness. The light has come. The light has come. And then we're called, we're called to be his light through what Jesus has done for us. He's the source, but then his light through us as his church. We're like a city on a hill, Jesus would say. Don't hide your light. Let your light be seen and that others would see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. 